Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. Devin Ellington, your host, at DAOA007 on Twitter. This is a Gaming, hoop-ball.com presentation. And there is a super loaded, fun show today. I'm going to have not one, but two phenomenal guests that we're all familiar with. And it's the first time this triumvirate's come together. So it's going to be a fun, fun, fun show. Before we get into it, we got to talk about Manscaped. You use the promo code HOOPBALL20, you're going to get free shipping and 20% off. You can use that on the lawnmower 3.0 that just came out. Fully electric, waterproof, smooth, smooth, smooth. So you can get that. You can go ahead and get some other products, beard balms, ointments, lotions, tinctures, all that good stuff. Or manscaped.com, let them know that Hoopball Gaming sent you and use Hoopball20 as your promo code, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. All right, well, there was a fun evening of sports last night, some history made. Dodgers won the World Series for the first time since 88 and Kurt Gibson's torn NCL walk-off. Um, and then... There's some really, 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 really fun football to look forward to collegiately and professional. You can have some recaps as well. And then I'm going to go ahead and talk about the guys that are with me today. John and Ramblin' Russ. Guys, how are we doing today? We're doing well, Devin. How about you? How about Russ? Yeah. Doing good. Thanks, John. Nice to meet you. Devin? Nice to meet you too. Nice today. Yeah. It's official now. It's official. So... Um, I figured first and foremost, we can make fun of Kevin Cash and his managerial performance in the World Series. Talk about the stud, Blake Snell. Feel bad for him. Feel good for Kershaw getting one. Dave Gibson, finally. Uh, or uh, <laughs> Roberts. <laughs> Sorry, still thinking about that Kurt Gibson swing. Um, anyways, and then we can go ahead and talk about uh, some things that are bothering you guys within the ending of the World Series here. So, Russ, first and foremost, I wanted to kind of ask you something. Um, sure. Were you impressed with Kevin Cash? No. Oh. He reminds me of Pete Carroll in the Super Bowl <laughs> a few years back when Seattle threw the ball into the Patriots' hands and gave away the game. That's his bonehead apply. Now, granted, they, the, the Rays might not have won that game last night. They might not have won the series. But to take that pitcher out, I mean, they're talking about it everywhere. So it's kind of – Useless to continue the, to, to, to ream this guy cash, but that was probably one of the dumbest baseball decisions I've seen 
in 25 years of watching the World Series? Yeah, um, for me, you know, you saw what the results were for Blake Snell early and all this talk about the third time through. I mean, but the guy was locked in. The batters he was about to face was 0 and 6, 0 for 6, and I believe six strikeouts. Mookie Betts against the lefty was actually the only thing he's bad at uh, was, you know, his slugging against lefties. It's 214, which was lowest in the majors. Um, so I don't understand that. Apparently he had some analytical such and such and hoobla, red, green, this, that, and third. Um, what, what do you think about all that? When you're opening yourself up by taking a guy out who's throwing a shutout and you're winning one nothing, you're opening yourself up to this conversation this morning and this afternoon. You're opening yourself up to criticism. You, you did it to yourself, Kevin Cash. And you lost the game, and you, you, you deserve to let that pitcher at least pitch until that game was tied. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a base runner. That, would, that was it. John, um, since you do, uh, you know, you're very successful with, like, the analytical department, and uh, I'm interested to hear your take on it. I mean, or a pure baseball take also. I mean, like, what, what did you see, and why do you think – the game played out and ended the way it did. It really was so bizarre that I, I actually had to pinch myself because I thought maybe I had, you know, three or four IPAs because <laughs> yeah. it only takes me two. Um, you know, I've coached a lot of baseball in my life and uh, on some pretty powerful um, programs too, one of which is um, Trout actually came out of the Tri-State Arsenal in Voorhees, New Jersey. And – when you have teams that are, you know, always gunning for the national championship, this is stuff that a youth manager knows. Uh, as Ramblin' Russ said, you know, you, you're winning two to, you're winning the game, and your pitcher is pitching, and he, he's a Cy Young winner, first of all, in 2018, and he's lights out. Uh, the, the really the only knock on him the whole game was that he had nine first pitch strikes out of 18 batters, but that's because his movement was absolutely incredible. And he had six strikeouts in five and a third. At one point, I think he had five strikeouts through two innings. Uh, the Dodger batters were you know, flailing at pitches that weren't even close to the plate, let alone bouncing off of it. So, you know, it kind of blew my mind. I, I just was like, what in the world is he doing? But, you know, there was another thing too with, um, the kid who threw the fireball for the Rays. Um, Yarborough, Fairbanks. Uh, what was it? What? I didn't hear you. Yarborough? Uh, no, the, the – the, um, Fairbanks or Anderson? No, the one that won against uh, Kershaw. Oh, my God. Glasnow. Yes, Glasnow. Yeah. So, here in game one, the Dodgers get out to a lead, and I'm waiting for him to take him out. You know, the kid had never been over 100 pitches in, in God knows when, and he throws him 115. You know, even, like I said, at the high school level, 13U, 17U, you don't go over 80 if you're in a tournament situation in youth baseball, let alone the pros. I mean, what was he thinking? Like, he needed him to, to be like a setup man, potentially. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and his speed, as you saw in game five, I think it was, no, game four. 
game four, he pitched against Kershaw. And he, I think he threw one pitch at 100. The rest were probably averaging 97. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. In the the ALCS, he was 101 five times in the first inning. So I I thought that was a glaring mistake, too, uh, that Cash can get credit for. But would it have changed the outcome of the game? I, I think, you know, that's a question we always ask ourselves. And I think in this case, yes. Uh, at least the Rays would have had a fighting chance. I was just going to say it would have prolonged their uh, win yep. probability, I think, a little further. One last uh, observation of mine, and then we can go ahead and get into some pigskin talk if you guys would like. Um, that's going to be the big part of today's show, obviously. You know, the I think he had about three of his strikeouts at least. I counted three when I saw three strikeouts high in the zone, about 97, 98 with a two seamer that had some kind of rising motion. It was pretty sick. It was pretty sick. Um, Yeah. So uh, we good on the world series y'all. Unfortunately. Yes, I guess. I was hoping for game seven, but (laughs) I know. Oh, it's hard to believe that. It's hard to believe the Dodgers took 32 years to win their last one. I I can't believe it's been that long. But, Congrats to the Dodgers yeah, on a exactly. short season. They kept their guys healthy. They're talking in New York about how Justin Turner came out and celebrated. They're making a big deal about it. But we're Who not going to go to that. We're not going in that direction today, folks, with this. We've got to be right. So, and but, so uh, in any event, congrats to the Dodgers. Yeah, and, you know, shame yeah, on me for saying that. Congrats to L.A. Um, like, you know, uh, I am the youthful one of the bunch, guys, not to be that guy, but – First time in my lifetime I've seen the Dodgers win a World Series. So uh, kind of cool for me, selfishly. Uh, well, let's go ahead and talk about some college football. You guys know I love the Sun Belt, a.k.a. the Fun Belt. So we're going to get it cracking with a primetime game. Uh, it's going to be the party popper uh, for Thursday night. South Alabama, they're taking on Georgia Southern, uh, going on the road to take on Georgia Southern, and uh, they are five-and-a-half point uh, dogs, the Jaguars are. Um, my, you know, and I talked about this game a little bit earlier in the week, obviously, but, you know, there's going to be a major uh, pro potential prospect, Jacob Shoemaker, an offensive line out for Southern Alabama. Um, but Georgia Southern, you know, their wins are not impressive. They beat UMass. University of Louisiana Monroe, who is 0-6, and Campbell. So um, they're 3-2, and two, yeah, they, but they, I don't think they should be laying 5.5 at home. And it's come down from, uh, I believe, opening line 6.5. So did you guys look at this game at all, or do you have any interest? <laughs> yeah, I can, uh, I can start here. Um, the overall, the, the Jaguars are 3-2. and two. And they're on top of the West Division, but they, too, have not played the, the toughest part of their schedule. That starts uh, pretty much with Georgia Southern and, and gets more intense as the season rolls on. So uh, yeah, Georgia Southern uh, was 3-1. and one. They lost three, and now 3-2. and two. And they're 1-2 and two in the Sun Belt, uh, losing 28-14 to 14 to a rising Coastal Carolina Chanticleers team. I love saying that mascot. I actually don't know what it is, but I'll have to look it up. It's a oh, pretty I cool know. sounding name. Oh, I know. It's a rooster. It's a teal rooster. Well, that's right, it is. That's right. Yeah, it's a wild um, protector. It's a protecting rooster that attacks. Yeah, I remember that now. That's pretty cool. Um, so, Coastal Carolina, my power ratings from the beginning of the year is the third most underrated team that I had. Uh, they, they 
probably are a surprise to everybody except people who live in that community. And, uh, you know, both of their, um, of Georgia Southern's uh, losses were teams uh, ranked in the top 25 at the time. So now you have to ask yourself a question, like how does this all work out with Georgia Southern having played UMass and uh, Campbell, as Devin said, and try to make sense of this game. Um, their quarter, uh, South Alabama's quarterback, Desmond Trotter, mm-hmm. was out due to an injury, and I believe it's a shoulder, and that, from what I hear, takes more than a week to heal. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do uh, deal with that. Um, but he's been coming on, and their ground attack is, is pretty good as well. Uh, their quarterback, Trotter, ranks fifth nationally, believe it or not, 10.8 yards per pass attempt. Um, and they have two really good running backs, too, that they – I think they actually call them Lightning and Thunder, uh, with one being obviously very, very quick. But he only has 36 carries. But he ranks third in yards per carry in the conference. So that's a one-two punch that is a really good thing for uh, – a team that's looking to have a good season like South Alabama or yeah, South Alabama Jaguars and Georgia Southern. On the other hand, we got a defensive team uh, that really, you don't, you don't know how good they are because of the schedule. Uh, they rank second in the Sun Belt, 13th nationally in rushing, which is their, that's their, that's their favorite thing to do year in year out. Yeah. So they're rushing 249 per game. Uh, 5.5 yards per attempt. Uh, J.D. King is third in the Sun Belt, 98 rushing yards per game. Oklahoma State transfer. And, uh, their best – he's actually best in the Sun Belt, 490 total rushing yards. So, uh, Wesley Kennedy, the third, is the Lightning, and he's gained uh, 206, three touchdowns, 31 carries. So, that's a pretty small sample size, but still it, it pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, there is a, a system that I have, and then I'll pass it on here. Um, before we get to the system, basically the, the Jags have a much worse defense than the Eagles, and the Eagles can run the ball. So I think that's why we're seeing the, the Eagles favored by five, five mm-hmm. and a half, whatever it is, instead of being closer to pick them, because that controls the time of possession, the pace of the game. Um, but this system supports South Alabama going 35, 19, and 3 against the spread for 65% since 2011. You play on road underdogs after covering the spread in four of their last five games, winning between 51 to 60% of their games on the season. So it's pretty simple. Uh, one to track. Of course, I have my databases that do it automatically. But that's a pretty powerful system. That's 65%. I support South Alabama, and my, my lean would be on the Jaguars. Yeah. Well, hey, I like hearing that because I actually, in my analysis, came to the conclusion that I was going to bet South Alabama plus five and a half and plus 175 on the money line. So, um, Russ, are you going to be getting in on any of this Wednesday night Sunbelt action? Yeah, I am actually. and uh, I actually am going to take the contrarian view on this one, guys. It's uh, always fun yeah. to do. South Alabama's 0-5 against the spread in their last five games following a straight-up win of more than 20 points. Interesting number. But I think the one that got, got me to really like Georgia Southern in this game is heads-up, the heads-up deal, right? you got the same coach, the same system. Heads-up, Georgia Southern is 6-0 their last six matchups. 
So I'm going to lean towards uh, Georgia Southern in this game tonight uh, in, in your fun belt. All right. Well, hey, I am a contrarian myself, and, you know, there's always a contrarian angle. So thank you, Russ, for providing it in this specific matchup. Uh, one last, you know, thought on it. You know, we talked about the opponents, and they've played one like opponent, um, and that was ULM. I've just, you know, the the comparison was a little bit more black and white and easy for me after seeing the eye test against similar opponents. And then, you know, we've talked about the teams that uh, South Alabama's played. I mean, they beat Southern Miss. Southern Miss is a little bit on a roll. Um, and then uh, they only lost by three to Tulane. So held them at 27 points. Uh, so let's talk about um, some Big Ten action. I know we had a couple of big games to look at. We'll start with the obvious one first. And I've not dug into this one, so I'm really uh, relying on you guys to uh, give me some good nuggets of wisdom here. So let's start with the Nittany Lions taking on the Buckeyes. Big old Big Ten rivalry game. It's going to be a really fun one. And uh, three, two, one, go. Whoever wants to go first. Russ, you want to go, go first on this one? Sure, I'm sorry. Um, we were talking about which which matchup again. I'm sorry. Penn, Penn State, Ohio State. Yeah, I just think Ohio State's a, in another league right now. Um, just even the eye test of watching both teams come out on the first Big Ten weekend. Obviously, Penn State messed up big time. They should have yeah. won that game against Indiana. Ohio State rolled in their opener. Um, without going through the trends on that one, I would I would lean Ohio State big time. I'm a big buck. I actually been to the horseshoe to watch a game. What an environment. Obviously, with the COVID, home field advantage in these games might not mean as much. So you have to check to see, are they allowing fans in? Are they not allowing fans in? We've seen the role in the NFL. More, more overs earlier in the year. Now the totals will start to go down because of the weather and also because the defenses are going to adjust to the offenses in the NFL. But in college, I think you got to look at uh, you got to look at Ohio State in this matchup. John? I'm actually on the other side. Um, with all due respect, but that's what makes it fun. You know, it makes it a horse race. You can't have a horse race with just everybody picking the same horse. But um, it is a tough situation for Penn State without fans in the stands. And uh, as of right now, there will be zero fans in the stands. But I, I believe the Hoosiers um, had 20% capacity. Um, I had also read that the Big Ten commissioner had said um, – Matter of fact, there would be no fans at all for the entire season. So that was another thing. There was a little bit of a head-scratcher out there in Bloomington. Um, I'm still amazed that DraftKings refunded all the Penn State money line bets, uh, which brings to reason why the Big Ten didn't review that play, and maybe that's in process. I'm interested to see if anything happens. But it was the last play of the game, so if the Big Ten would look at it, they could – I mean, they could overrule it. It wouldn't be anything uh, like a, a fumble recovery and the guy didn't get a chance to run it in the end zone because they blew it dead. Um, but, you know, if you look at that video, the ball hits the white out of bounds and the football is not uh, three feet long the last time I checked. So it would have had to hit the pylon, in my humble opinion, to be a score. Uh, so, you know, it's unfortunate. But I bring that up not to be sour grapes, but to say that Penn State made enough mistakes on their own way before the end of the game 
that cost them the game. You know, much like the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, you have that managerial blunder. You can go back to that situation. It wasn't the closer who lost the game. Like, it wasn't Mitch Williams in 93 that gave up the home run to Carter of the Toronto Blue Jays in that series. So I think you get my point. Uh, the, the betting has been overwhelmingly on Ohio State here during the first three days. Um, Devin, what it's did you say you saw? From nine and a half to uh, up to 12 points, and the total's gone from 61 and a half to 63 and a half, so a two-point jump. I, my suggestion on that, John, is if you're going to take uh, Penn State, is to tease them up through the 14th, through the mm-hmm. 17th, because I tell you what, I, w- I wouldn't touch that part of it. I'd like Ohio State to roll. Sure. And that's, that's easy to say, right? Ohio State's going to roll? Let's be honest, right? It usually but, happens. Yeah. Right. times it's so, not. That's the chalk. But, again, if you're going to take Penn State, you might want to wait and tease them up. But I don't, think Ohio, I don't think Penn State matches up with them at all this year. Uh, honestly, I don't. Uh, so, yeah. And watching these two teams play last week. James Franklin, I think he's probably on his last couple of years with Penn State. Not anything, you know, bad or sour or anything. I think it's just underperformance um, with the recruits he gets in. Had a couple good years, and he's fizzled a little bit the last, you know, year and a half or two, in my opinion. Seen some coaching blunders in important spots. John, did you have a system for this game? And do the Nittany Lions have Yeah, I do. Um, the one matchup um, I'll mention, though, that makes me like Penn State is we saw what happened with the Cornhuskers last week. They played a defensive scheme that they just were not going to get beat over the top. So on the field side, you know, opposite the hash mark that the ball is lined up on, uh, you can see that cornerback was lined up at least 7 to 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. So they were forcing Justin Fields to make that throw. And for people who don't know, that's a very hard throw to make. It averages about 30 yards. It has to be thrown extremely accurately and extremely hard, and he did it against Nebraska. So then eventually, you know, they run those crossing routes, and they caught Nebraska. You know, the safety fell asleep one play, but that's Ohio State. And that's how they started scoring. So let's take a look at, at Michigan, Ohio State. Michigan's never beat them under Harbaugh. Uh, I love saying that, by the way. And they run the press. So they're the direct opposite. You know, they get up in the face of the line of scrimmage, and then the athletes on the Ohio State side can just, you know, their quickness is superior, and eventually they're going to get past and be wide open. Penn State is different than all of them. They run a zone blitz scheme. And this is why I think this could work really, really well. I wish Parsons would come back and be the middle linebacker because arguably is he is the best defensive player in the country. That kid is good. Uh, that would, yeah, that would make this game probably a 10-point line or maybe less. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how the offensive line of Ohio State deals with this zone blitz scheme because they, once they get flowing, they come from everywhere. Uh, so keep that in mind because uh, that could be a really neutralizing factor here. And Ohio State doesn't like playing in Happy Valley, and it's just too bad there's not going to be 111,000 and change in the stands because I've actually had the privilege of being there at night. And it's nuts. I mean, it's just so cool. It's a bucket list thing to do. So here's a system, 29-11, 73% over the last 30 years. So this one's pretty rare, but it's also pretty powerful. It has four requirements. You're going to bet on home underdogs. The game is a matchup of conference foes. The home dog is coming off a loss installed as a road favorite of six or more. 
and I, I don't have to talk about the Indiana game anymore, right? No. Nope. All right, so the opponent, Ohio State, is coming off a home win of 17 or more points. It's those four parameters working together. It's been 29-11, and, uh, you know, that, that supports it as well. So I realize it's a completely contrarian play, uh, but I, you know, there was one last thing. There was news out that the starting running back is right, out this week right. for Penn State, which is their second running back. Right. Uh, Journey Brown is out with probably out of sports. Uh, but they, I looked at their backups, and just trust me on this, they, they, could, they could really gouge the Ohio State front. Yeah. And that's and that I know it's going on a limb, but based on the the film I was watching, if that happens, and you watch the line of scrimmage, and if Penn State's getting a surge, it's going to be a game. Yeah. Do they do they the double digits? Do they do I, a zone I like his idea team? with teasing it. Teasing is a smart idea. D- does Penn State's offensive line run a uh, zone blocking scheme? They actually can run both. Both. Okay. Because gotcha. uh, they'll they'll run jet sweeps um, when you don't expect it. They'll uh-huh. run. Uh, they don't run too many power sweeps anymore, gotcha. but it's between the tackles. Um, and this true freshman that I think will start this week, uh, I think his first name is Tank. Mm. I'm almost positive. And he – why do you think he's named Tank? He's probably about 240. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't run east and west either. It's north no. and south, and that's, that's how you that, – you need that to beat Penn or Ohio State. you got to yeah. have that. You got to punch a heavyweight in the mouth. Yeah, you, know? you, you have you to have it. that, or you're just going to get blown out. Right. But hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully it's not a forty to three score. Yeah, let's hope not. Let's hope it's a good old, uh, good old. Um, yeah. The only trend I look at, though, uh, John, in this game, and one of the trends that really gets me more on the Buckeyes even more now, is they're they're twelve and three. Their last fifteen as a favorite. So they're, they're, they're solid chalk. They really have been over the years, and you have to give them that. But you're right. That's an interesting 75% trend that you just gave. But you have an injury with right. Penn State on the, both sides of the yep. ball. You have them coming off a very ridiculous loss. Like you said, they should have won last week. That kid was out of bounds. I agree with you there. And then, you know, are they, are they going to be motivated? But I think the biggest reason why I would still stay Ohio State is because Penn State loses – that home field advantage that you talked about because there's no lights, because there's no crowd, big crowd, like you said. So I, I, I even like Ohio state more, but be careful because if it gets a little higher to 13 or 14, maybe Ohio state doesn't cover. Maybe yeah. they win by 12 or 13. Maybe they win, you know, 40 to 27, 34 to 21. You know, you could see all kinds of scores like yeah. that. So if you got them early though, Ohio state minus under 10 points, I think you're going to win. Yeah. Well, we're going to, yeah, we're going to stay in the Big Ten. You know, and think, I mean, Russ had the contrarian take on the first game, and then now you got one here. So, um, all over, all over. Um, stay in the Big Ten. We're going to speed this up a little so we can talk about some NFL. Uh, Northwestern, Iowa, um, I'm just going to toss it out there. Any general thoughts from each of uh, you or one of you? I'll start. Um yeah, the Northwestern Wildcats, I actually was glad that they won 43-3. to It marked the first time since 1970 that they beat a conference foe by 40 or more points. Uh, Ohio State actually has the, the lead in that category with Northwestern history, having 13 wins of 40 or more points against the Wildcats. So, you know, not bashing Maryland, but Maryland is, is obviously not a good team. But I think Northwestern – 
is much better than previous editions. Um, Peyton Ramsey uh, transferred to Northwestern from the Hoosiers as a postgraduate, uh, and he had one of the best QBR ratings in the last 10 years by a Northwestern quarterback. The Hawkeyes are the Hawkeyes. Um, so I, I, every year they pretty much are the same type of uh, characteristics. I, I do think they're weaker than last year. They did lose a, a lot of players on D. Uh, but I think that was a quality win uh, for Northwestern against the Maryland Terrapins. So this is a step up in, in uh, competition from that, but it's a short line. And I like Northwestern on the money line. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting, the, the one study I ran uh, with the lack of fans in the stands, scoring has been up. So – you know, Devin, you know I do a lot of behavioral analysis, you know, in many different fields, and, and sports betting is nothing short of that. It's herd mentality. It's people being human beings. And Vegas never makes a prediction by setting the line. They want equal action, just like a, a market maker on the New York Stock Exchange wants to have equal buyers and sellers. So with that said, I ran the, uh, the numbers on the SEC and the Big Ten. The under – for the SEC has actually won the money so far this season. So it shows that the, the lines have overreacted to this high scoring and the advantage that the road teams have in these fanless stadiums. So I found that quite interesting. And in, and in this game, I do think the, like, the Wildcats get it done and the under might be worth a look. What's the total, John? <clears throat> Uh, let me see here. I have it at. I've, I got it. It is. Uh, well, I had it and then I lost it. it, it forty six and a half. It opened at forty eight, which yeah. is like a low number for for very low forty six. So your underplay probably looks good. I I, uh, I I have no opinion on this one. This is too close to call. I could see Northwestern using their week one uh, um, momentum to carry them through this Iowa team. But Iowa's tough. Iowa's tough. They don't get the home field advantage that they normally get, I don't believe. Or, or will they have a, a packed house there in Iowa? Does anyone know that? I, I'm not sure of that. I don't know, um, but I, I would be shocked if it was more than 20% capacity. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So, again, I, I think you're uh, spot on, John. If you're going to take Northwestern, they're probably going to win. Forget the point spread in this game. It's low. Um, but I'm, I'm, I have a slight lean towards uh, the under. Uh, in that matchup. Yeah, yeah. Two capable defenses with pretty good linebacking play and some uh, aggressive safeties. So um, I'll talk about uh, real briefly in, uh, a matchup in the SEC. Um, just because the line jump kind of got my attention, it opened uh, LSU plus one, and I'm talking about the LSU-Auburn game, Tigers on Tigers. Um, LSU going on the road to Auburn. Um, catching, I, I, I locked him in at minus two, but it opened at uh, Bayou Bengals plus one, and the over was about 63, I think it was, 63 and a half at opening line, and it's climbed up to the 65 mark. I go ahead and lean on the side of going over that total, and it's now up to 65 and a half from 62 and a half, so lots of movement. LSU minus three as of now. Um, I locked in LSU minus two and um, the over 65. Auburn's gotten lucky their last few games. They've had also a bad loss sandwiched in between those lucky last second wins that they got. Um, LSU lost a lot. They're not the same team. But if it's going to be a shootout, 
um, I don't know. It, it was weird steam is all I'm saying. So, and then after I looked at it a little bit deeper, um, you know, LSU got some help returning in the secondary, some guys they were really missing that opted out originally. So maybe they get another stop or two in the game when they need it. I don't know. I'm crazy. I, I'll jump in if you don't mind. Uh, I, I actually think that War Eagle uh, is, is a good football team this year. Obviously, uh, they're good every year. LSU, the trend here that I'm looking at that, that struck me as pretty uh, important, I don't know what trends you have, John, on the game, but um, they're 1-4 they're their last five meetings in Auburn, LSU. And LSU, as you know, Joe Burrow's playing on Sundays now. Auburn, to me, to me, this looks like an Auburn W for me, uh, straight up. So I'm going to go dog here, straight up Auburn. And that's probably one of my better plays, uh, although uh, that team we, we talked about earlier, Southern uh, Georgia, I believe it was, that, that looks good. But I do, I do like Auburn plus three. I'm shocked at their fate, uh, underdog, actually. Yeah, yeah. So you're going the opposite way of the line movement. The one that caught my eye, like I said, was the LSU side. John, you, you had a system to throw out there with the – Last couple minutes here in the college yeah, football. Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, this game is one of those that you know the reaction by the public better is throwing the baby out with the bathwater. So you have Auburn struggling a couple weeks ago, and now all of a sudden they had a decent game, but it was against South Carolina or uh, Mississippi State, or I'm sorry, Mississippi. Um, and then LSU looks like LSU last week. 500 yards total offense. The defense finally showed up. It didn't get gouged on the ground. So now LSU is the play and Auburn's not. So I'm on – I like this Auburn play too. And um, let me just scroll down here. Actually, um, I don't have it available. I apologize for that. But uh, let me just quick check here. Actually, there's a money line uh, system here I can rattle off to you. Um, now, money lines, you know, they hit 51%, but you're playing underdogs, at least with my systems. And that's how you generate money over time. Doesn't win percentage doesn't matter. So you're going to play against a road team using the money line. That's an excellent offensive team by definition, gaining 440. I'm sorry, 450 or more yards per game. They're facing a below average offensive team, which the Tigers have struggled. Um, and that average team is gaining 330 to 390 per game, and that's the play. I mean, that's the the two parameters. I, I try to present simple yeah. uh, parameters on these shows and not get into algorithms and all kinds of, you know, combinatorial stuff. And it's all big words that people like to say, and they don't understand what it is anyway. Yeah. So you, you in this case, you know, 50% is good. You're averaging plus 300 usually on the, on the bet. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a fun one, fun one to do because you're always on the dog. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, being on the dog is fun. Um, so sick of being upsold at gyms. My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. With the college football on that, I think we are good to go. Wrapped a bow on it. A couple other games within the week I'll talk about later in the week, obviously. But uh, let's go ahead and move on to some NFL action. All right. Well, speaking of some NFL action, I'm going to throw the first game to uh, 
Mr. Ramblin over there first, just because it was a game that popped into my head and, uh, um, you know, based off of um, what I thought was going to be an actual, you know, defensive game. So I'm, I'm maybe looking at the under in this one. Um, and that's featuring the Buccaneers and the Giants. Uh, you know, is that is that a straight shot chalk look at it? Is it contrarian? Is it the, you know, right or lukewarm look at this game? I, I just – the Giants have good, decent linebackers. We know about Tampa Bay's defense. DVOA is through the roof. You know, they're top five, I think, in just about every metric. Fact check, please. Um, so, yeah, yeah, Russ. It's true. Yeah. It's true. The Giants are a, are a very interesting team. I mean, right. They're one in six this year. But if you study the NFC East or NFC least, if you will, the Giants have not played that badly. They've had a tough schedule early. They competed in most of the games except uh, the 49er ball game. But if you look at their record, they could easily have won two of the games they lost. So they'd be three and four right now versus one and six. Big difference, obviously. They also could have lost the one game they won if uh, Riverboat Ron kicks the extra point and then they go to overtime and lose the Giants. If they, they would have had to win the coin toss or they would have lost. But the Giants definitely are playing better under this coach in seven games than they played under Pat Shermer over two seasons, even even um, the last coach before that, uh, McAdone, his his year. But but when I look at this game Monday night, I look at a Tampa Bay team that's going to come in way overconfident on the road, laying 11 points. And my, my, my opinion isn't even on the total because – I think it's going to be right around that total. But my opinion is on taking the New York football Giants plus the 11 points in this matchup. Number one, Brady does not have his best games playing in New York. Now, I realize that was against Eli and Coughlin. But at the end of the day, the Giants will play hard. They have a few extra days to prepare coming off that Thursday night loss to the Eagles that they blew that lead. And so if you believe in the program, the Giant program is going in the right direction, this is a classic example of do they spoil all those Buccaneer survivor picks and pull off the upset of the NFL this year? Yeah. Do they? I don't know. Do yeah. I think it's within 11 points? 100%. Very confident. Shock the line is that high. It should be about six or seven. Mm-hmm. Getting that 11 points, I'll probably tease them up to 21 and a half. If this line gets to 11 and a half, I'll do a sweetheart tease. Tease them up to three touchdowns and a half a point. Tommy Brady just won his last game in a blowout fashion. Um, re- refresh who they played last week. I, I they played, some, um, they played the Raiders, who had the like Raiders. Okay, but the Raiders had gone through that COVID stuff. They didn't practice, whatever. Yeah. They blew them out, and the, but the Raiders don't have the defense. The Gi- Giants actually have a better defense than they're giving credit for right. this year. And um, Daniel Jones is starting to improve a little bit. If he holds on to the football and the Giants don't turn it over, Brady's erratic. Brady still can't throw the ball way down the field. I like the Giants plus 11. It's one of my be- it's going to definitely be one of my 5 for 5 plays and that's not from my heart, that's from my head. Yes. That's from um, my head. It's and good they, to balance this. They will cover that 11 and a half and the reason they're going to cover that is I don't see a motivated Tampa. They're going to come in thinking, "Oh, it's another cakewalk," but the Giants will show up to play that game. I I I I'll be shocked with the extra time to prepare that they're not ready. Yeah. Um interesting to see how Tom Brady performs, you know, I'm just thinking of a random system here. Tom Brady performs after winning by um, 15 or more points and then going on the road and being a favorite of plus 10 points at least, or 10 points or more. Just throwing that what, random out there. But What, what was that? Because uh, uh, I can look it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know that was possible. Um, oh, so absolutely. Tom Brady in his career coming off a victory of 15 plus points and then going on the road and being favored by at least 10 points. 
So, so while more, you that, uh, the previous I mean, game, they won by how many? At least 15. All right. And, and then what the, was the last part of it? To be at Another least a 10-point road, road favor of double digits? Yes, double digits. Yep, yep. Um, it was at eight and a half at opening, so a little closer to what Russ said it should be. So good, good um, look on Russ's part. Over-unders dropped a point and a half. Um, so that speaks good in volumes to that spread, maybe being a little bit more close. Giants keeping it closer. 46 down from the 47 and a half. Um, so, you know, I, like I said, I, I was lean. It's Monday night football, by the way. We'll throw, throw that out there. Um, it's a good preview spot. Chris Godwin's going to be out, uh, his finger injury. Um, and then if I'm not mistaken, Antonio Brown still cannot play. I think he still has to go through the rest of the protocols and whatnot. So, um, John, you still digging on that? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if my, if it's froze on me or what here, but I think while I'm doing this, I can tell you that, um, I like Russ's idea there. Mm -hmm. Uh, New York Giants is a double digit home dog or no. Against the spread hasn't happened very often, but they you know, think about it. Professionals don't want to be playing at home, let alone in front of their fans, and you know, viewed as uh, you know just horrible people. As fans can get pretty nasty in New York and uh, you know good old Philadelphia. So yeah, there's motivation. There's a reason these guys are at the pro level in the first place, and you know they have some pride. Uh, so I think the the double digits. Is, is very attractive. I, I couldn't, as much as I like the Bucks, because I have them on my power ratings now as the clear favorite in the NFC. Um, in fact, I, I don't have anybody that's really close. You know, in the AFC, you got Kansas City, certainly number one, but then you got three chasers uh, that, you know, I can debate that are fully capable of beating the Chiefs. Uh, but right now, the way that defense is playing for the Bucks, uh, it just gives Tom Brady – at his, um, you know, his old age, so many luxuries and, you know, the, there's, no, there's no pressure on him. I don't think he's had this amount of pressure in terms of the least amount at any time during the, the time in, in New England. And uh, what we're seeing sure he's enjoying it. also is that offensive line that they constructed for him, knowing that they were going to make a heavy push. Uh, Russ... Yep. Round one, round one of the Belichick versus Brady, uh, if you will, the divorce. Yeah. Yeah. Round one goes to uh, Mr. Brady, but there's still a lot more season left, and I'm not ready to anoint Tommy touchdown Tommy. I'm not ready to give him his props yet, personally. Not yeah. ready to give him, as Parcells used to say, his anointing oil. You know, they haven't really played any. But I mean, they beat Green Bay. Yeah, that was a nice win. Yeah. But look at their schedule. And, you know, Carolina, New Orleans, that division isn't that strong. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I don't disagree, John, that, that right now Tampa Bay seems to be the team to beat. But keep in mind, they went out and they added a player. And that player has a history of being a cancer, yeah. Antonio Brown. That, that player is not a well-behaved individual. And I don't understand. Bruce Arians went back on. He told Brady he wasn't going to take him, and he adds him to the roster. It seems to me like they're going with these veteran things. They're throwing all in to try to win the Super Bowl this year. But um, I'm going to respectfully think that the 49ers are not done in the NFC. I, I, I would not count them out as they get yeah, healthier. Defense. They have that experience in the playoffs. I would say watch out for yeah. San Francisco still. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I uh, definitely uh, would count them in, as, as I would the Rams. 
Yeah. I mean, look, well, at, the, look at the craziness in the, the year 2020. You have the NFC West with every team over 500 by a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess the Niners are four and three, but everybody else is five and two or six and one. And then you have the NFC East, which you know, I don't even know if they should be allowed in the playoffs if you don't have a you neat record. But to answer your question about Brady coming off a uh, 15-point win and now installed as a double-digit road favorite, six and one straight up, winning by an average of 17.3 points per game, but four and three against the spread. Uh, the over/under is three and four to the under. All right, all right. So, but let's keep in mind all those, all those trends that you just mentioned. We're in New England. Where trends are very. Yeah. Hang on, this is where trends could be a little misleading. That's in New England with Belichick. It's all in New England. Yeah. Doesn't go for complacency. Sure. Lucarians is a different monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All interesting stuff. Since we're talking a lot about the NFC East and whatnot, let's transition over to Dallas and Philadelphia. Right now, um, we're seeing. You have to. Uh, do um, do y'all want to? No, <laughs> oh, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. I like All this right. game. Uh, seven and a half road dog. Uh, the amount of points Dallas is getting over under is 43. Um, opened at 43 and a half. So Philly, for some reason, they're seven and a half point favorites at home. Or it it. Who wants to take this one? I'll take it. I'll, I'll give you my quick it. opinion. I'll give you a quick opinion without looking at trends or anything. Yeah. No team in the NFC should lay the seven and a half, but right now Dallas is down in the dumps. But that being said, them. but that being said, I want to know how Dallas and Philly have done head to head the last 10 games. And I do think that the, the pressure is going to be on Dallas. I wouldn't touch this game with your money, Devin. Okay. Yeah. That's I how I feel you. about this NFC East overall in those two teams in particular. Um, I have not, I have no comment. I mean, I don't know. What do you think, John? Well, believe it or not, there's a play on the Eagles. Uh, as much as I, I don't want to admit it, I don't know if I have the guts to actually go to the window and use my money to make the bet. Um, given that, you know, the, the teams are certainly Dallas is a mutiny. I mean, that this, that's, this is one of the worst situations I've seen in my entire life of any professional team uh, to, to play the way they did against Washington. Uh, it prompted me to actually put out a, you know, for me, an aggressive tweet, as I think Devin saw it, that uh, since the presidential election is this Tuesday, that we should add a new line item or an additional line item to vote on. And we need to vote for a new America's team. And the slogan for my campaign is make America's team great again. <laughs> because Dallas flat out sucks. Yeah. And there's no other way to describe it. So, um, you know, there's no party lines on this voting. There's no partisanship. I think it's just, you know, you pick the team that you think should be America's team. And, you know, in baseball, I thought America's team should be Tampa Bay. You know, money ball, hardworking, low. They don't get paid very much relative to the, you know, the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers. So, um, you know, I just threw that out there. But the Cowboys, um, this was, uh, I heard this, uh, a guy that I talked to on Twitter at ESPN, uh, the Bear, he, he brought it to my attention. I didn't realize the Cowboys lost all seven to the spread. So I dug deeper. Um, so what happens to these teams after they've lost seven in a row? And not seven in a row you know, to start the season, but any point in the season over the last 30 years in my database, how do these 
teams do? I mean, are they this horrible and they just keep losing? Well, the record is 21 and 16 with three pushes. That's 57% since 1990. Uh, the average score uh, has seen the ATS loser, and the one that's on the losing streak, lose these games by more than 20 points. Um, but somehow they've managed to get a 21 and 16 against the spread record. So clearly they've been underdogs in these, in these situations. Um, teams that have lost seven or more games to the spread uh, produce different results depending on the site. So when the teams are at home, they're stellar 11 and five and two. So if Dallas was at home, this would be something to think about. And that's 69%. But when they're on the road, they're only 10 and 11 against the spread. So then this started making me think that, well, wow, let's, let's take a look at something from the, the database that may support the Eagles. Um, so the database um, tells us that road underdogs facing a divisional foe and have lost a minimum of seven games to the number are 0-7 straight up, losing the games by an average of 16 points and 1-6 against the spread. And I, I have a chart, I think it actually is on, on Twitter too. It's not hard to find. If you not, just send me a message and I'll, I'll direct you to it. Uh, but it shows all the games and uh, the, you know, the margin of victory against the spread. And it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty weak. And that works against the Cowboys in this situation. Um, and that's, that's, really, um, that's really it. I think the, the Eagles somehow have turned the corner. You know, I mean, look at – I mean, it's not Wentz's fault, right? Just like it wasn't Brett Brown's fault in Philadelphia for the 76ers not doing what everybody thought they should do. Mm-hmm. So the, the guy that's accountable gets the ax, right? And that's what's going on in Philly with Wentz. But he said – I mean, the number one wide receiver on the Eagles right now was on the practice squad the last two years. And I love it because, you know, this is like the money ball thing that I just, you know, crave. Yeah. Here's a, you know, a young player that comes off the practice squad and busts his butt and makes, uh, and makes the most of the opportunity. Whereas some of these guys making all this money on 10-year contracts, maybe you ought to wake up. Maybe get out in the field and play. Um, easy for me to say sitting here in a chair. But I think you get <laughs> my sure point. Um, so I think, I think the Eagles win easily this week, especially. I mean, McCarthy was probably the worst hire the Dallas Cowboys ever made, yeah. in my opinion. Well, it sounds like we're putting together a little uh, – NFC East teaser. Um, <laughs> uh, call us crazy, but you know, tease the Giants, tease the Eagles, maybe down. And uh, I'll take the Giants plus seventeen and a half, and the Eagles minus a point and a half. But I'll tell you right now, I agree, yeah. John. That's an excellent analysis. Yeah, yeah. I look at the Eagles, and and you mentioned the two coaches. One coach, his post Super Bowl record is phenomenal. He's still with the same team in in Peterson, and the other guy. His, since he won that Super Bowl in Green Bay, yeah. right down like the stock, like a like a sinking ship. Yeah. So I, I and and with Dallas, forget about it. So I I agree with you. I would take the Eagles comfortably. Now I feel very good about the Eagles. Yeah. And, and Andy Dalton's their quarterback. They lost their heart and soul in Dak. Maybe it's close, but the Eagles should win that game. I'm thinking maybe the Eagles in a survivor pick. Although I I have my survivor pick when we talk about KC and the New York Jets. KC is my survivor pick, but I'll let you. Well, yeah. hey, you know, speaking of that, that is the uh, next game that we were going to talk about. So, uh, you know, but before we do, I got to mention the other show sponsor, and that's mybookie.ag. 
Use promo code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, to get that 100% match on your initial deposit bonus and uh, get some free play while you're at it. So check those guys out, mybookie.ag, bet, win, get paid. Um, speaking of the Jets, um, it was actually a game I wanted to talk about because I wasn't sure if the Chiefs uh, covering the spread was too far out of the question. It's currently at 19 and a half, opened at 21. They are at Arrowhead, who is allowing a decent amount of fans. Over-unders at 49. Uh, do the Chiefs score 40 points at least by themselves? I think so. Um, so Chiefs, Jets, Liv, Bell, revenge game, that narrative, uh, one of the, actually the worst team in the NFL and arguably so the best team in the NFL. Who's going to cover the spread? Uh, Russ, you, you mentioned the Jets. No, I mentioned that the Jets are playing the Chiefs. Playing I, the Chiefs. My survivor pick is the Chiefs. And there we go. I am uh, in all my survivor picks in my pools that I've done. Every time I pick a survivor team, they cover as well that week. So I, I'll take press. So I'm proud of that record. And I'm hoping the Giants can knock off some Tampa Bay people because I'm sure Tampa and Philly – might be hot survivor pick plays for this week. But talking about Kansas City now, one team is just hot as hell. And I, I got to tell you, in my opinion, I don't know what the first half line will be. It might be 10, it might be 12, it might be 14, somewhere in there. Let's just say it's 13. You're going to check. I would take Kansas City in the first half because the second half they may pull off the, the, the call off the dogs. The Jets may get a couple gift touchdowns or back doors and all that stuff. So I would think the play in that game is Kansas City in the first half. 11 and minus, a half. What are they laying? 11 and a half. 11 and a half. I like That's that. a lot of points to lay in two quarters. But, um, and Thanks. actually the Chiefs usually defer. The Jets may take the ball first. So it might not be the best play. But, I mean, I, I think the Chiefs are going to win. They're going to win big. And, you know, somewhere between 17 and 24, maybe even higher than that. They're so much better than the Jets. I mean – the Jets are definitely going to wind up with most likely wind up with Trevor Lawrence or the first pick if Trevor decides to come out. So, John, I can I can tell you I, I did a just a real simple query here on dogs of seventeen and a half points in the NFL, and believe it or not, it's occurred twenty two times uh, since nineteen eighty nine, and believe it or not, one team actually won the game outright. So one in twenty-one again, uh, straight up, and fifteen and seven against the spread for sixty-eight. Right. So, you know, as, as we've been discussing here, you know, it takes some guts to go up to the window and put down whatever amount of money on the New York Jets, because I get, I promise you, I I would give five to one odds to the person doing that that they would be afraid to tell anybody that they did that, uh, because I mean that's borderline. Borderline almost psychotic. I mean, why would you why would you do that on the Jets and throw good money on a horrific team? And you know, obviously, my power ratings they're ranked last, and uh, the Giants um, actually are are thirtieth. And I can't remember the other team that's uh, between sandwiched between them. But you know, it's kind of like there's those twenty ninth and thirtieth teams. Yeah, Jacksonville, um, and then there's like five miles lower. And then you hit the Jets. The Jets have accomplished things that I haven't seen in over 15 years from the metrics. Yeah. So maybe they should be complimented for that somehow. And I guess Trevor Lawrence is what you get when you play this bad. 
Um, but I kind of like this idea of, of standing on the railroad tracks when the train's coming through and, and taking the jets. You know, you, you can always hedge it, I guess, in the live betting line, right? If you get down 14 nothing, you can panic and go the other way and, and end up losing both. But seriously, I think that the real bet here is the, is the Jets. It's, it's just too many points to imagine any NFL team losing. Yeah. But they're the Jets. Well, you yeah, know. But Andrew Gaze is hard. I mean, yeah, he's, Andrew, I forgot what his first uh, Adam. Adam Gaze. Andrew Gaze played basketball. Adam Gaze is horrendous. <laughs> I mean, he might be the worst coach in, in all of football from a standpoint I agree, of. I argue. I mean, he, I don't know how he's coaching in the NFL. All right, well, you're a baseball to... coach. He would have taken Snell out of the first inning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, y'all talk me into it. Chiefs, first half, and then I'm going to go ahead and take the Jets. To I'm kidding. Just for the game, I think, is good. And then I like that strategy. A little sprinkle, you know, just to, you know, yep. see. It would be their first game that they covered this year. They have not covered. They have not won um, any game this season, if I'm not mistaken. Um, moving. So on. now they're going to go to Kansas City and cover? Like, like you said, you better not tell anyone you did that bet. Well, made that things balance out. <laughs> things balance out sometimes. I don't know. I, you, you wouldn't be considered a smart handicapper if you said, yeah, my, my 10-star pick this week is the Jets. I'm going to look more into it. TBD. Um, <laughs> so a game that caught my attention was the uh, Chargers taking on the, uh, the um, Denver Broncos. And, you know, they're going on the road. Um, they are favored. It's going to be, in my opinion, I think a pretty good defensive game, you know, kind of as an underlying tone. Sacramento, or I'm sorry, Sacramento. I'm looking at Twitter while I'm doing this. Uh, The Chargers and uh, the Broncos, they play defensively uh, very well. Their metrics are pretty good. They're top 10 in a lot of um, numbers that are tracked. Over under is at 44 and a half. It's come down a full point from 45 and a half. Over uh, is definitely not in play for me. Minus two and a half uh, was the opening number for the Chargers as the road favorite. Now it's at minus three. Um, any general opinions on this, guys? I just I like the fact that it's going to be a defensive game, maybe a first half under. Um, Russ, would you, what say I'd, you? I'd like to go first and just tell you that. When you look at this game, you look at coach quarterback versus coach quarterback. Lynn for Chargers, the quarterback Herbert's having a pretty decent year. They're playing well. Chargers are playing well. You know, the Chargers don't take days off, plays off. Broncos, eh, I just, you know, I'm still kicking myself from last week, so maybe I'm a little biased, but I, I think the Chargers win this game easily. The Bronco coaching staff are a bunch of has-beens. Uh, I, like, I like the Chargers in this game big. Big Fangio is not learning any new tricks in his uh, in his years. That old dog, uh, John. To wrap this game up, you got any thoughts in either side? Yeah, I like the Chargers too. Uh, yeah. they're, they're, you can't trust Denver. Uh, I had Denver when they went into uh, New England, and yeah, thanks to my mathematics, that's what created the pick because logic would never come into your head that I'm going to take Denver plus the points going in, into New England. Even with Tom Brady down in Tampa, it still was illogical. Um, so I think this is a game, you know, you know Chargers quarterback is, is just awesome. I mean, that's one hell of a pick. And, and a first-round pick that's finally for an NFL team seems to be working out. And uh, you know, maybe, you know, the Jets can go to a conference sometime and learn how to do that from the Chargers. Just kidding, but not really. Uh, but in this game, it's clearly the Chargers. 
Let me see if I just have uh, any quick system here. No, I, I don't. Yeah. But uh, the power ratings have state that uh, the Chargers should be favored by 11. Okay. So there's there's some pretty good uh, pretty good room there to bet them now. And the line is three or four? What's the three, line? Three. It rose from two and a half. Yeah. So it's at a key oh, number. Exactly. Yeah. So my, be... my power ratings aren't like like telling you what the line should be. Uh-huh. It's telling you the quality of the teams. Right, right, right. So there's an 11-point differential in this matchup with the Chargers on the road. Well, and to speak on the point of the quality of the team and then connect it and piggyback on over to Mr. Ramblin, um, the quality of the coach and the quarterback comparison. Yes, exactly. So, yep. um, and, the, and the leader of your offense calling the plays in Denver is a guy named Pat Shermer. Yeah. You could have them all day and every day. Call See, yeah, I agree. See better coaching, better quarterback, just better period. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so a couple more games I just want to toss out there and maybe y'all hit right back to me or to each other. Um, I like the over um, in the Raiders-Browns game, even though OBJ is now out for the season. Um, I think they have a couple other guys in their depth pool of wide receiver talent that's, you know, going to probably be able to fill not the whole spot but make it not hurt so much. Um, and then, you know, you got the Raiders who are, are I believe, still down. Uh, Mr. Abrams, their aggressive young safety. Um, and, uh, you know, it's 40. Here, I'm trying to find it. It's running from me. Um, we got it at – 52 and a half and it come down from 55 and a half. So I thought that was a little weird, but I think it was a late adjustment maybe by the books and the OBJ news. Um, so Vegas is getting two and a half points. I also like that. I'm looking at maybe teasing that up. Um, just a gut feeling on that. Any opinions? The Raiders like to run the ball with that Jacobs kid. They, they like to pound it in there. And, uh, with OBJ being out for, uh, being out for the season, which is no surprise. I mean, he can't last the whole season um, in one way or another. So I kind of I, – I, I, I think the Raiders might have actually bounced back this week. I think the distractions of, uh, of the last week with the COVID and all, with a lot of the linemen not practicing together and all that stuff might have hurt them a little bit. Um, but the under seems like a good play. What do the trends say, John? Looking at them right now, um, in terms of team rankings, uh, you know, the defenses on both sides are, are near the bottom of the league. Um, so back to my uh, little analysis I did in the SEC, it applies to the NFL. The, the road teams have an advantage on third downs because they don't have to use silent counts or any of that stuff. And the intensity of the crowd is no factor because it's not there. Um, but given that, the, the – the public, the human behavior has been so towards the over that the lines maker has adjusted the spread so high that now the under is starting to become the winning bet. And especially in situations like this where you have two struggling defenses that uh, have trouble stopping anything. And, uh, you know, with a total that's probably uh, way too high. Um, Of course, with that said, these defenses could play like crap, and and there could be seventy points scored. But I do like I have I do like the lean to to the under in this game. Um, and I I've been trying. I haven't had a bet on Cleveland all year. I, I got lucky with Cincinnati betting against them. 
but I can't figure them out. Like it, it's almost like they're the, you know, they were the doormat for so many years. They were the, they were never as bad as New York Jets are now, but that's, they were that addition. Right. And now right. I'm almost feeling good about them, you know, because you want to see them finally get over the top, but they're in the wrong division in the AFC, first of all. And, uh, you know, this is, a, this is one of those games that they could lose and you start scratching your head. Like, why did I even think the Browns had a chance? Yeah. Like I said, so, I like the – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I like I the – I was going to say, I like, I like the, the Raiders side, so maybe I'll back off the total on the over just because of you guys providing me with some wonderful insight. Um, any other last thoughts on this before we talk about New England and Buffalo and then send this bad boy on out of here? I'm good. All right. So let's go ahead and talk about New England and Buffalo, a divisional game. Buffalo is hosting the Patriots minus three and a half. It started at the plus three mark for the Patriots over under 42 and a half. It's come down three full points from 45 and a half. Um, is Josh Allen going to have a good game against Belichick and, um, you know, kind of prove his dominance in this division, Russ? Before I um, give you my selection, was not that impressed with Buffalo the way they played against the Jets. That being said, New England the last two weeks, losing to Denver at home, then going on the road and putting a stinker against the 49ers or was that at home. But bottom line is neither team has really played that well. In fact, the, the surprise team in that division, in my opinion, is Miami – Yet, they're going to Tua this week, right? They're going to go to Tua now. So where are they going to wind up? So this AF, NFC East, while it's the NFC least, is the AFC East going to turn into the AFC least? Because you got the worst team in football in the Jets in your division, and the other three teams are going to be whoever gets in the playoffs might be one and done anyway. That being said, I will take Belichick plus three and a half off of two losses. And if you look up the statistics on that, John – you're going to find that Belichick does not lose. He very seldom will he lose two in a row, but when's the last time he ever lost three in a row? You'd have to go back 20 years. Yeah, it's, um, so on that alone, I'm going to give Belichick one more shot here to stay in the race, stay in the playoff hunt, and give those Patriot fans hope. And yeah. believe me, they need lots of hope because Cam Newton is not doing so well. That team is not playing well at all. But the Bills, it could be a field goal game, so I would take the three and a half and pray that it's a close game and Belichick finds a way to keep it close, finds a way to be in it, and, and that would be my analysis. Without going further diving deeper, New England keeps it close and maybe even wins the game because they're two and four right now. If they get to two and five and they lost to the Bills, their, their season is heading downhill fast. And I think I would trust Belichick in this spot to pull some rabbits out of his hat. Yeah. Three, three straight losses for Belichick is not something anyone's accustomed to seeing. And like you said, I was backing him last week uh, thinking he wasn't going to lose two in a row. So I took the Patriots money line, maybe a dumb boneheaded move, but I was believing in Belichick. So John, did you, did you have a system on this one that's in play or something that we should keep an eye out on? I just pulled up what, um, what Ramblin' Russ was talking about with uh, Belichick's stellar history and, and he's right. Um, out of all the games he's coached, which I think is 429, uh, there's been uh, 26 occasions where he's lost two in a row. So put that in perspective. Uh, eight times he's lost three in a row. And that by itself gets you in the Hall of Fame. That is a large, large success rate. <laughs> and the other thing that's very interesting about this matchup is when do you guys think, and if you know, don't answer, but 
When was the last time Buffalo was favored against the Patriots? I'll say back to when they had Jim Kelly. <laughs> um, not quite, I don't think. It's, it's, it's been a while, but I don't think all the way back there. Ten years? How, how long? Um, well, it goes back to the year 2000. Is J.P. Lipscomb the quarterback? Or whatever his name was, J.P. Lipscomb? I can – so it was early in break. Who it was either? Yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. So it was a long, long, long time ago. So Belichick seventy percent winning outright over yeah. two after two losses. He's six ninety two. I just did the percentage. Eighteen and eight. There's your stat for me. Yep. That's that's what I'm going with on this one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, well, hey, uh, John. Any last parting notes for this game before we um, go ahead and. No, I, I think you, you got to take New England until yeah. Buffalo proves proves you wrong. I mean, the history's there. Yeah, you got to take Bill, Belichick. You know, that's my opinion on it. Yeah, <laughs> like we'll put him under center. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Well, hey, we talked a lot about some football. Talked a lot about football. I really enjoyed it. So, thanks for getting on here with me today. I appreciate all your time. Um, and then again, where you can find these two fine gentlemen, you're going to be at Ramblin or at Russ Ramblin on Twitter. And then we got at John Ryan Sports 1 for Mr. John. And then for me, at DALE007, at Hootball Gaming. I know, just lots of lots of hashtags and all that good jazz. But um, that's where you find us. Check out those show sponsors, manscaped.com, as well as mybookie.ag. And uh, we will go ahead and bid you adieu here. I'm sending all of you my good vibes and my good energies. And we will talk next time. You got it. Thank you. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.